Okay, good morning. Good morning. If you could take your seats. We'll be beginning out well, be beginning uh, to speak to you in a few minutes. If you're gonna just come and take your seats. I'm so glad you're all making friends this morning. Again, I want to extend my welcome to you if you are here for the first time. My name is Matt. My privilege to lead the team here and to speak to you this morning. If you have a Bible, please could you turn to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. During the summer, we are having, uh, we're pausing our Luke series in order to just speak on some various texts from the Bible that we feel led to by the Spirit. So I felt this week, as I was uh, studying God's Word, I was led to Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I would like to talk to you. I feel God wants to encourage you through this text of Scripture this morning. Let me pray as I begin. Father, we thank you for your mercy to us. We thank you that what we've sung about today, we thank you, Lord. We, we, we had sang those words, happy day. and we, we remember the, those words that say, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, who turns to you, than over all the people who don't think they need to. And we thank you that you've revealed to us our need and we've come to you, Jesus, and you have saved us. We thank you, and I pray you would speak and teach and help us this morning. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2, let me read to you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. There's a lot in this text, and I'm not going to be able to cover all of it. Please use the devotionals this week. You know where to find the devotionals, don't you? Go to the website, click on teaching, and then you'll find the devotions. It might be called blog. In the church news, there's a link. Please do use it so you can get into, I trust, some good, encouraging, gospel-centered, biblical teaching that will encourage you. So please do use that. And the lesson I want to cover this morning, I believe, is in this text, is viewing, viewing God's mercy in the cross is the key to living the successful Christian life, which is the imitation of God's mercy. Let me say that again. Viewing, viewing God's mercy in the cross is the key to successful Christian living, which is the imitation of God's mercy. As we view God's mercy, 
We're transformed to be people who show God's mercy. We often talk about love, don't we? I could say the successful Christian living is also about love, but this word mercy gives a bit of definition to what we mean by love. Mercy, showing compassion to the undeserving. Showing kindness. Charity is another word, isn't it? Kindness to people. So viewing God's mercy in the cross is key to successful Christian living, which is the imitation of that mercy. I don't know about... When you were at school, some of you, that's new. Hands up if you're at school right now. Two of you, or three of you, four of you, a couple of you. Okay, six of you, a few of you at school or university or college. Um, yeah. did, did you have, I remember when I was at school, <coughs> we had some teachers that you were scared to death of. Do you ever have teachers like that that were really scary? Yeah? And you obeyed them because they had that certain air of, 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 of fear and you dreaded coming under their wrath. I remember one teacher in particular whose name will remain, I won't mention his name. Um, you know, th- these teachers feel that, um, you know, the, the, the way to get children to obey them is to, to scare them out of their, out of their wits. And um, it works. So, so, you know, it, you, you, obey, you obey such a teacher. You sit in the lesson of the teacher and you probably keep quiet and, and, and obey them. Um, but behind the, their backs, when they're not there, you think, what a rotter. Don't you? And they know that as well, don't they? But they don't care what you think. Right? Many of them. I mean, I don't want to judge them all, but some of them. Um, you know, you will obey a scary teacher because they scare you, but you don't really like them. You don't really respect them. There will be some teachers who are really soft, right? And I remember one particular teacher, and again, his name, he was so, his classroom management was so bad. And he, he would just, I mean, I would go to sleep uh, this is in a particular language lesson. I would just put my book up and close my eyes and go to sleep behind it. Literally the whole 45 minutes of the lesson. And people would be throwing things around, running out the doors, running around the classroom, in the door, out the windows. Crazy, you know, terrible behavior. I, pity, I pitied the man, actually. And um, I remember I didn't, I, I wasn't overtly m- misbehaving. I would just go to sleep. But I did pity him. And, um, and, then, and then there are other teachers, and I remember there's only a couple, and I may have mentioned this before, there's only a couple of teachers I remember who actually, I felt, connected with me with a sense of humanity. I felt that uh, all, many of the teach, my teachers were just doing a job and they came in, they wanted you to obey them, to fulfill their the, uh, responsibilities and so on, and then they would go home. But there were a couple of, that was from my perspective, but, but there were a couple of occasions, two occasions I remember, where a, a teacher said something to me. Um, so, so let me give you a little bit, let me just, I, I, 
so I came from a, a, a single-parent family with just my dad. There was no rules at home. My education, I had no, um, but that, no interest whatsoever in anything I did. And he, he was a good dad, but he didn't understand anything about education or didn't have any value of it in many ways. So all, anything I learned was because I chose to. But this teacher, I remember once, said to me, he says to me, in, in effect, you are an intelligent boy, and you can do well. And it was the first time anybody had ever said anything positive to me. Not just do the work, here it is, on the board, do it now, get it done. But to me as a person, he looked at me and said, you're an intelligent boy. You could do well. And it made me go, oh, and, it, and I st- it's how important it was, because I still remember it to this day. And it's taught me a, a big lesson in life about encouraging people. And um, God, you see, is where we're getting to. In view of God's mercy, we obey him. His good, pleasing, perfect will. We obey God in view of his mercy to us, his kindness his love to us. That's not to say God doesn't discipline us. But let's remember discipline is not rejection. The Bible says God loves us, so he disciplines us. He disciplines us because he loves us too much to leave us as we are. You see, it's often easier not to discipline someone and just let them get on with their lives because we don't want the aggro. Right? It's easier. Let, just let them get on with it. That's not loving. God does discipline us. But this is not the subject today. I want to talk about God's mercy to us that inspires us to obey him. Viewing God's mercy in the cross in particular is the way to a successful Christian life, which is then to imitate that mercy. We've come to a new section in the book of Romans. He says, therefore, remember, whenever you see a therefore, you ask what it's there for, okay? Therefore, he's spent Romans, Romans chapter 1 through 11, he's been explaining to us the mercy of God, how God has shown his love to us. If we want to know how God has loved us, we could make up some stuff. We could think, oh, I don't know, I think it's like this. The Bible itself, in Romans 1 and in other places, through 11, tells us how God has loved us. And in view of that, we are now to live a life of obedience to our Father who has shown us such mercy and love. And let's remember, therefore, he's saying in view of God's mercy, that the Christian life is one of obeying God. It's about, we don't just read the Bible so that we can just, you know, just read it like a sort of habit and then go and do our stuff through the day. You know, we read the Bible so we can say, therefore, I'm going to live a certain way. Particularly, it's about showing mercy to others because people are annoying, right? People are annoying. They, 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 they wind us up, don't they? If you're like me, they wind us up. They let us down. They annoy us. They upset us. Life, is, life can be conflicting. The workplace, school, all over the place. It's conflicting. 
And so particularly, God wants to teach us how to be like him, patient, loving, kind. Love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, isn't proud, it's not rude, and so on. Now, God wants to teach us to obey his word. It's a bit like, any of you done the Duke of Edinburgh Awards scheme? Yeah, a couple of you? The Duke of Edinburgh Awards scheme. Okay, well, I remember when I was a teacher, we used to take children on the Duke of Edinburgh Awards scheme. Well, you would initially teach them how to read a map. So you get a map your OS, Ordnance Survey map, you get your compass, and you want to teach them how to read it. So the first thing you've got to teach them is that there is a north, east, south, west. You've got to teach them how to orientate the map and your compass so that north is there, my map is now facing north, so I know that way is that way, and that way is that way, and that way is that way, etc. But you don't read a map, you don't learn to read a map so that you can sit at home looking at maps, going, oh, this is an interesting map, do you? You, re- you learn to read a map so you can go on some walks. You can do some exploring. You can have some fun. You can get out the house and enjoy places. It's like the Bible, isn't it? We read the, learn to read the map of God's Word so we can live it. Therefore, in view of God's mercy... Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is worship. So we know God's will through his word. So important in our day and age, not just in our day and age, God's will is not just how I feel. God's will is not my preferences. God's will is not my opinion. God's will is not, my, not what's popular always. I mean, sometimes it is, and it's good if it is, but God's will is most perfectly seen in his word. The perfect, inerrant word of God, in view of God's mercy, his good, pleasing, and perfect will is in God's word. So, when we think about relationships, when we think about my attitude in life, when we think about my relationship to money, my relationship at relationships at home, my relationship to who God is, my relationship to how do I know, come to know God. We know these, my relationship to fear and anxiety, how I deal with those things. We learn through God's word principally. We're people of God's word, aren't we? I would encourage you to be, and me as well. Let's, let me encourage you to be a people of God's word. Not just the people of the wisdom of the world, which presses in on us. And we don't notice it, do we? We don't notice that we've become, actually, I'm trusting more in the, the YouTube teachers, or I'm trusting more in these philosophers, or I'm trusting more in this approach than God's word, which is how we are to live in view of God's mercy. But it says here, in view, we are to read the Bible through the lens of God's mercy. If you had a pair of glasses, I forgot my glasses today. If you have glasses, you touch it with your fingerprint. You'll see that fingerprint wherever you go. You go, it's annoying, I want to clean it. But that's like how we're to read the Bible. Every page is to be read through the lens of God's mercy in the cross. Otherwise, if you don't, see, when you read the Bible, 
so in the mornings when I read the Bible, I've encouraged you to do this. The first thing to ask of the Bible is, what does it say about Jesus and the gospel and God's mercy? When you open the Bible, because otherwise you can fall into condemnation, can't you? I'm not doing this. I'm not fulfilling this. You've got to fill yourself with God's mercy. So let's look briefly, because we're going to do it briefly, at some of the things that Romans chapter 1 to 11 say about God's mercy that we're to view. So let's start with this. God's mercy chooses us regardless of merit. You've often heard this uh, illustration, haven't you? Who was, who was always picked? Any of you always picked last for football or, or sports? Daniel's going, no, no, not me. Yeah. You know, and, it, and you can, yeah, it's, it can be hurtful, can't it? Jim, remind me what your friends used to say about your, you've got brains in your feet. Or your brains are in your feet, yeah. Um, you couldn't kick a ball. Oh, I see. Poor old Jim. We love you, Jim. We love you, Jim. But, you know, that idea that of, of, of you know, we're, we're in a world that chooses us based upon, you know, certain attributes and certain things and certain things that are defined as successful and so on. Beauty would be a big one, wouldn't it? Yeah, beauty, attraction, attractivity, attractiveness. But God chooses us regardless of merit. If you're a Christian, you've been chosen not because of anything you've done. Nothing. You contribute. He, cho- he chose us when we're, and as I read you here, Romans 8, 29. Those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So God foreknew. That means God foreknew you. He knew you, loved or foreloved. He loved you in advance of your birth. And he predestined. So there's a destination that's been predetermined by God for you. And that destiny for you is not only to know him, but it's to be in glory with him forever in the new heavens and the new earth. So it's a bit like this. You know, some of you have had recently maybe had your GCSEs or A-levels or whatever. I don't know. Um, Imagine, imagine just being told you've got, a, you, you get caught with nine now, don't you, in GCSEs? I'll make no comment. You, um, you get given a nine if you get like an A star or something. Imagine you got, were, were given that. You were just, you, you're gifted that. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be, it would be, sort of be, maybe it wouldn't be cool. But, you know, this is a bit like this. God has gifted you with an A star, not because you've worked hard, but because Jesus fulfilled God's will for you, died for you, and has gifted you with his success, his beauty, his righteousness. He's gifted it to you. So if you feel like a failure today, no, no, no. God has gifted you with Jesus's righteousness. God's mercy chooses you regardless of merit. If you think something different to that, you've become self-righteous haven't you? You think God chooses you because you're good. He doesn't choose you because you're good. He chooses you 
whilst, and it carries on here. So we could say, well, if he's chosen me, what kind of people has he chosen? Romans 5, 6 to 8. You see at just the right time when we were powerless, powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Yeah, right? You might give your life for a good person. But God demonstrates his love for you in this. While you were sinners, Christ died for you. So this is the people he's chosen for his own. People like you and me who are sinners, powerless, ungodly. Would you, I don't know if you'd choose those sort of people for your team, but they're the sort of people God has chosen so that you would know his mercy, in view of his mercy. Oh, Lord, your mercy. You love me even though I've failed. You love me even though I've fallen short. I've got a destiny even though I am, I, I've failed in so many ways. You've chosen me. Secondly, God's mercy led him to die for you. I've said it there already. He offered himself for sinners. Now, he said there, oftentimes, yeah, we might give our lives for, for good people. We might lay, people do that, don't they? They lay down their lives, maybe for your own family. Maybe for people, your, your closest friends. But Jesus reveals his love for us in that he died for us whilst we were his enemies and far from him. That's the love of God. I'll repeat those words. While you were powerless, ungodly, sinners, this is who he came to die for. The depths of our sin reveal the heights of his love. See, if you were good, you see, you'd say, yeah, of course, of course I deserve God's love. But when you see the holiness of God and our sinfulness, we realize how great is the love of God that he should die for such as us and love such as us. Thirdly, God's mercy means that he perseveres with us. He never gives up on us. He says here in Romans 8, he, those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Now that word glorified is to do with heaven and it's to do with the future. And to God, he's already done it because he's going to do it. If you've become a Christian, it's because you've been called and chosen, predestined, and you've been justified, but you're also going to be glorified. He never gives up on us. Even though we waver, even though we fail, even though we may backslide for some times, he perseveres with us. Because Jesus has given us his righteousness, he's died for us. He will bring us home. He assures us. He wants you to know that you will be with him in glory. This is the mercy of God that we are to view. He chose me in eternity past. He called me even when I was far from him. He brought me to himself even though I was kicking and screaming in my heart. We were far from a holy God. He brings us close. He died for us, and he's going to take us to be with him. This is the mercy of God that you are to view. And then think about how that should then overflow into, the life, into our lives and how it's to affect those around us. If that's how God has treated me, how am I to treat people, other people?
How am I to treat him? Can I be prideful? Can I be short-tempered? Can I be wrathful? Can I reject people? Can I be unforgiving? Can I be unkind? Can I be ungenerous in view of God's mercy to me? And you see, therefore, brothers and sisters, that viewing God's mercy is the key to the successful Christian living, which is imitating God's mercy. So how do we view God's mercy? Let's uh, think about how God's mercy is going to affect our lives. Let's just think briefly, because Paul doesn't stop there. Romans 12, 1 and 2, he goes on for, for the rest of the chapter to tell us how God's mercy actually affects how we live. So let's give you some examples. A view of God's mercy transforms our attitude and creates humility. See, pride thinks I'm better than other people, doesn't it? Can you think you're better than other people when you realize how sinful I am? How deserving of judgment I am? Yet, how much compassion and mercy I've received from God. Can I really be prideful toward other people who are just the same as me? We've all sinned. The, the, the very things you, I get angry at in other people are the very things I do, aren't they? Yeah, think about the people you get angry with in your life. They're the very things you do in different ways. How can we be prideful when we know the gospel? So Paul says in Romans 12:3, For by the grace given me, I say to you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Problem is, you see, see, pride divides. You're easily offended. You've got thin skin. People say something to you that offends you. You just keep your distance, go cold on them. Thankfully, God is not like that. And if that's you, he's not, he's, he wants to welcome you home. He wants, to, he wants to help you grow out of that. It's very immature to be prideful, but it's something we all struggle with. But humility makes us good friends. Humility makes for good marriages. Humility makes us good employees and in good, good employers. Humility makes you a good church member because you are humble and willing to be reconciled and work on relationships. So that's one of the things we learn that come out of God's mercy from Romans 12. A view of God's mercy transforms our attitude to the church. It inspires service. You see, if God has served me, how should I serve his bride, his people? How are you, friends, serving the people that God loves? If Jesus died to save these people in front of you, and if you live here, and this is your church family, because we can't, 
theor theoretical Christians around the world, we can love them by praying for them, but you love people on the ground where you are. This is the will of God. Local church. Family. So if, the, if this is the people that Jesus has died for, has been so generous and so merciful to, 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 toward, how are you and I going to serve one another in like manner? It's easy to become entitled and say, they should all be serving me, or oh, they should be serving me. I know we all feel like that. That's, that's a demonic trap. It's a demonic trap, friends. Entitlement and thinking everybody owes you is a demonic trap. It gets you nowhere apart from separated, divided, and hateful. The way to overcome that is forgiveness and to be like Christ who serves the undeserving. So how do we serve our local church? And this is what Paul says here. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, encourage. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So he's showing here, in view of God's mercy, how do I now serve the church? Well, I use my gifts to serve my local church. So I leave that with you on how you're going to apply that. In view of God's mercy, it inspires us to love and devotion for God's people. So he says here in Romans 12, 9 to 13, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly, sisterly love, in familial love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So these are very practical ways that we can hear, see here on how we serve the local church. We practice hospitality. We are generous. We show honor. We teach. We prophesy. It's, it's very broad, isn't it, in the kind of things we do. But it all flows out of God's mercy toward us. And it's so important that we understand this because if we don't under, see God's mercy, God's, God's, God's compassion, God's pity on us just flows out. If we, if we focus on that and we receive it and we see it, we'll be energized to serve the church and others. If we're just trying to kind of grind it out, I'm going to serve people, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, just through sort of self-discipline, I think I should, then that, that, that's going to run you down and become embittered. But as we see God's mercy flowing into us, flowing into us, flowing into us, we become givers by grace of service. So many things I could say. Finally, it says here, a view of God's mercy leads us to serve our enemies and those outside the church. He says here, bless, Romans 12 again, this is flowing out of a view of God's mercy. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. It's so important, isn't it? Yes, that we learn to love people. It says here of, of low position. I don't know what, how you would define people of low position. Culturally, there are different ways of viewing people of low position. But in the church, in view of God's mercy, we are to associate with people of low position. Now, you will have your own definitions of what that is. For some of you, it's the rich. I hate them, those rich people. For some of you, it's people who are poor. For some of you, it's other people. It's these people. It's that people. It's this people. However you view low position, stop it, repent, and serve everybody. In our community groups, in our church, we should have an equality of love toward one another. Get over our problems with each other. Now you do, but we all secretly and deep down inside find it harder to get on with some people than others, don't we? Do you find it harder to get on with some people than others? I do. If you don't, bless you, my friends. <laughs> That's wonderful. You've clearly taken this on board. But these are common problems to mankind. We're not going to solve it. We're going to keep working on it. See, people often say, we want to solve this problem. There are problems that you, you just keep working on. Prejudice you have to keep working on. You don't solve it because it's part of sinful, fleshly humanity. You've got to keep working on it, recognizing it. So serve each other. So you see this. There's so much here we could say in view of God's mercy. So the band, band want to come up? We're going we're gonna to view God's mercy now. In view of God's mercy, let's be humble. Let's serve the community of God with love and gifts and hospitality and generosity, but also let's love our community around us, even as it says here, those who despise us. We love them as best we can, don't we? And it says, this is worship. Serving God, serving people in this way is worship. Singing is worship, but we show the worth of God. Surely, we show the worth of God to those around us most clearly as we show and imitate the mercy of God to those around us. So let's keep, as we go into this week, how are you going to keep the mercy of God in your heart and mind? How are you going to do that? I was singing this morning. I, I there's a wonderful song, and I'll, I'll, I'll include a link to it in one of the blogs by Matt Redman, a song called, the, called Mercy. Do you know that song? Mercy, mercy, as endless as the sea. I will pray, sing your hallelujah for all eternity. It's a wonderful song. Sing songs about the mercy of God. Read Scripture that speaks to you of the mercy of God. Tim Keller said this, to the, de to the degree 
that you grasp what Jesus did for you and rest in the salvation he brought, bought for you. To that degree, this pattern of substitutionary sacrifice and love will be reproduced in your relationships. And you will become the kind of person the world desperately needs. The world needs you to show the mercy of Jesus in your life. And you will only do that if you, brothers and sisters, are filled with the mercy of Jesus toward you. The Bible says in Psalm 103, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on you. How are we going to respond to this compassionate, merciful Father? May we all view this mercy and imitate this mercy in our lives. Let's now worship together.